0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, I'm Tony Gale, and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. listening to the We are West Ham podcast with me, will Pew James Jones and tonight, no Tom Edwards. he did provide a letter from his mum and dad explaining his absence, and me and James have given it the okay so it won't be any retribution for Tom next week. Last week, my intro was a 125 year anniversary soliloquy talking about Thames Ironworks and Sid King, manager of West Ham and the Iron Works for decades. this week. I'm completely lost for words. Out of nowhere, West Ham United have played two games between podcasts and we haven't lost. And I don't know what to say, James, to be honest. Last week, it was quite easy. I had a really salubrious, extravagant intro to the pod because it was to celebrate 125 years of West Ham being in existence. And I knew what to say more then than I do now when we've got four points from a game against Chelsea in an away game.
1: It's not a familiar speech,es is it, Will? Um,
0: Definitely not. I mean,
1: I am still I mean I, I celebrated uh Suchek's first goal today. I don't know if anyone saw, but um his first goal against well, his second goal against Chelsea, the one that was actually allowed. Um I was tweeting how annoyed I was with the fact that his first goal was disallowed for VAR. Um and so I tweeted, I said I'm not celebrating that Suchek goal until next Tuesday. I woke up this morning and I celebrated it. Um <laughs> so brilliant. Right, great goal from Suchek. And, yeah, I'm still trying to get me around the fact that we beat Chelsea um, in the situation that we're in. Like we were saying, like, on, I was saying last week, I thought we were down and out. Um, but now here we are, seven days later, four points better off, four points clear of to the bottom three. And um, and with a, a relatively, on paper, okay run of fixtures left, we've got three of the teams around us still to play. And, you know, it, it, suddenly it's looking like, looking like we've got a bit of a future again.
0: Uh, it's just, just flashed up, though, mate, as you're saying that. Citrex uh, goal has actually been disallowed. So that was 2 0 oh, against Chelsea. So, <laughs> <is it> so <laughs> Sorry, mate. In, yeah. uh, fair Pre- premature celebrations, even though you left it another week. But no, absolutely. I mean, it's great stuff. So t- tonight we'll be going into that more about the uh, the great win against Chelsea. The the point at Newcastle where it's bizarre, isn't it? We're, we're all so used to this sport in West Ham, how, yeah, how negative we were beforehand about the team, about our prospects. And now we've gone to St. James's Park where we rarely get anything. And I'm back to being a little bit annoyed that we didn't get all three points. But we'll look back on those games tonight. We'll also look ahead. We've got before our next pod, we've got games against Burnley and against Norwich tonight. We've got Joe from the Turf Park, Turfcast podcast joining us. And unfortunately, we couldn't get a Norwich guest because as we're recording, uh, it's currently half time during their game with Watford. And it's won all the score at the moment there. So that may affect, uh, or certainly affects West Ham's league position. Certainly, if Watford get a point, and so we couldn't get any Norwich guests on, unfortunately. We'll do. We did have a mystery players quiz lined up, but Tom unfortunately had to duck out at the last minute. So we'll save that for next week, and we'll go through the headlines. We've got six big players out of contract next summer. Jones, I want to get your thoughts on those: michael Antonio, Fabian Balbuena, Mark Noble. Fabianski, Wilshire and Snodgrass All out of contract at the end of 2020-21 season Want to get your thoughts And if we should cash in on those this summer Sebastian Haller First of all we had the story About the missed payment to Eintracht Frankfurt West Ham owed them 5.5 million quid On May the 15th I believe And now all of a sudden The Frenchman is out with a mystery hit problem And the conspiracy theories Among the West Ham Twitterati Is something to behold We've also got David Moyes who spoke today in his pre-match press conference. So, despite no Tom, it's harking back to the old days, Jones, isn't it? Like Love Sport Radio, when I mean, it's just me and you. Anyone who's who's been with us all that time, it's that like me and you on that on the freezing cold evenings in Southwark, sitting in the studio. We were still moaning, to be fair, though, weren't we?
1: Always moaning, always moaning. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's a shame Tom can't make it, but you know, we'll, we'll make what we can of it.
0: Little bit of a hark back, isn't it? Just the old is, the old yeah. boys, just the two of us back together.
1: Oh, good old days.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well look, we'll start with we'll start with Chelsea. We'll do it in chronological order. Outstanding result. And it, it, it I haven't had that feeling for ages. I was uh I watched it with uh, my missus and my housemate who sports late and orient of all teams, so neither of them were particularly great interest in what was going on. And I I think my missus watched football with me a couple of times before, but I don't think we've won, certainly not in the fashion or certainly against a team like Chelsea and the state of me when the, uh, when Yarmolenko banged it in at the end, as I'm sure was the same for lots of West Ham fans. Just give us your thoughts. It was brilliant.
1: It was a, it was just a really good performance all round. I felt that, I mean, even uh, I did feel when that goal was ruled out um, and, you know, I mean, I don't even know whether we should even talk about how ridiculous that decision was. Um, But when that was ruled out, and then within, within what, two minutes, we were 1-0 down from from the penalty. Um, You did feel as though, yeah, this is going to go, we know it's going to end up 2-3-0 to Chelsea, and we're all going to be annoyed. But credit to the players for continuing to fight and getting back in the game just before half-time. A lot of people say it's the perfect time to score. Uh, And then within five minutes of the second half, we're 2-1 up. And I think even at 2-2, I still felt like, we weren't going to go on and lose that game. I think that the players were showing just a little bit extra fight, a little bit extra commitment on the pitch that we hadn't seen against Wolves or against Spurs. Now Those two performances were really flat. But it was—I mean, I was still trying to still trying to get my head around what what the difference was between the two teams into the two performances compared to Spurs and, and Chelsea in terms of the mentality, because something happened in that in the space of that eight days and. Um, Credit to Morris for getting the best out of him, and you know if there's a, if there's ever a way to win a football match, it's that way, isn't it? Last minute against against your London rivals when you desperately need three points, um, and I think it, it was that what the way we won it is is what will spur us on to to stay up this year. I think you know that confidence boost and that you know the euphoria of winning the last minute against Chelsea. Yeah. Um, it was it, I think just just looking back at it now and
0: just the whole performance was superb. Can't fault it. You, uh, you you seem pretty confident that the pendulum has swung, now talking that that's what's going to have made us stay up. Unfortunately, I'm still not quite as confident as you. I think huge games coming up with uh, Burnley, Norwich and, of course, Watford. Not long after that, massive, massive games. And you only need one of those teams. I know everyone thinks Watford are out, but they only need three points and all of a sudden they've got a sniff and it's, it's gung-ho cup final football for the end of the season. One thing... I thought it was funny the Chelsea game, right? Again, the VAR decision is what it is. Quite a lot of times passed since that game. Now I know people may not have heard from us. They will have done certainly if uh, if they follow you on Twitter. They've heard your thoughts on yeah. the VAR decision. There, the first one is what it is. He's offside. Whether or not he's interfering with the goalie or not, he was as co- according to the VAR. The, the after the top, the you know the Tottenham handball one, it, the i coming out after saying oh, everything goes against us. I didn't really buy into that. But I think the thing that stuck with me for the whole game, you mentioned it there at the last minute. As the ball goes up the other end, Yarmolenko's got the ball out on the right hand side. He cuts inside. He makes the space off of Rudiger. And I think it was Fournals hairing down the middle at lightning yeah. speed. And I'm screaming at him, pass it pass it, pass it. <laughs> and as soon as, soon as he, he took one touch and then he'd taken the, the touch that meant he couldn't pass it anymore because Fonaus was offside. And I was furious because I was just waiting for him to spank it into the Bobby Moore end behind the goal. So when he whacked it in, it took my brain about a second or two to realise, hang on, uh, he hasn't passed it and he's put it in. Oh, we're not even going to draw two anymore. Oh my God, we won. And I, I do agree. I think the the spirit shown by the players was surprising. Certainly, exactly what you said. When the VAR overturned Suchek's first goal and then they scored the penalty. So Here we go. I might as well turn this off now. There is no point because we'll just crumble. So it it was good to see that side of thing. I think on the flip side, I think Chelsea were pretty poor. I think Chigi came on, didn't he? Dave Chigi from the Chelsea fancast who come on the show last week and said he'd be happy with a 1-0 win. And I think Lampard, the amount of post-match interviews I've heard from him this season saying, you know, obviously we did the double and when we did it at the, to them at Chelsea as well, it's a bit of a smash and grab. He he must be furious. You know, he's got defenders there. They're pushing for Champions League football. The defending we saw from them is the sort of stuff you'd, you'd expect to see from us. Uh, did you, I, I didn't, I, I come away thinking brilliant as far as the character was concerned, but there there's still quite a few parts of the game Where I thought we were, we were quite sloppy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I know I said a minute ago that you know couldn't really fault the performance, and but we're we're West Ham, and given the situation, we're going to have sloppy moments in games. You know, we we, we had sloppy moments against Newcastle, even though you know we'll get onto that. But we deserve to win that game. Um, We're going to have sloppy moments. We're not in our world-class Liverpool side that will be faultless for thirty-seven games of the season. You know, if anything, we're. We've got fault in 38 games of a season, and we've just got to try and overcome those. And, you know, so I I don't buy into the fact that, you know, we only won because Chelsea were poor on the day. You know, Chelsea had their chances. They still scored two goals. I know they were two set pieces, but they still scored two goals. Um, We scored four. Uh, One, unfortunately, was ruled out. But, you know, we were better on the night in front of goal, but they still had their chances. So um, I think, yeah, it wasn't the perfect performance, but we took our chances, which we haven't done. You know, Too many times this season we've had opportunities to win football matches and we've not done it. Um, and I can't think of a better player to be in that position than Yarmolenko. Loves a cutting side on his left foot. Um, and I know you doubted him, but I definitely didn't. <laughs> I, I knew he was putting that ball exactly where I I don't know how, Kep, I didn't read it because you should be knowing where Yarmolenko's is putting that ball. So it was a good performance all round. I like the way we pressed uh, particularly in the first half, we pressed really well, but in stages, so we weren't getting tired. Uh, and it's it's a, it's uh, an intensity and a, and, and a style that we probably haven't seen enough of under Moyes. Uh, yeah. So something happened between those those two games, the Spurs game and the Chelsea game. And um, we had, what, was it eight days between the games? So a little bit of time to work on it, but um, it worked. Uh, but the trouble now is we've got to do that every single week between now and the end of the season and then take that into next season with better players. Uh, yeah, but otherwise it's going to be for nothing
0: yeah you're, you're totally right I mean I um, like, like I say I, I, I'm still a bit cautious about the we're definitely staying up thing but um, yeah I, don't, I, I think you can't you can't complain at all and one thing that I really thought about that Chelsea game it was the first time there's been very 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 few occasions this season where you've had those moments that go oh this is why I love football and this is why I really you know I really enjoy it and I wish we were we were there, what that would have been like with 60,000 people there. One of the first excellent games I remember at London Stadium, were excellent atmospheres, was against Chelsea mm. in the Cup, I think it was. And uh, yeah, it, it was just brilliant. It, would, it was a bit different doing it in your lounge. But yeah, it was just, oh, this is why I love football and I love West Ham again. But um, yeah, like you say, I think we've got to capitalise on on the chances. The defending was sloppy again, but ultimately it was three points, a huge three points. And I'd uh, much rather been a West Ham fan after that game than a Chelsea one. Just uh, FYI, Chigi from the Chelsea fan cast, as I mentioned, he came on last week. I did text him straight off the game and say you're welcome on any time, mate. But he's uh, still yet to reply. <laughs> moving on to the uh, moving on to the Newcastle game. Did you? It was. I don't know. It felt a bit classic West Ham where the game was certainly there to be won. I think the most irritating thing of the whole situation was the second goal, going 2-1 up, with not that long left in the game. Newcastle didn't look like they were particularly potent going forward, nor did we, to be fair. But we capitalised on the early goal, Antonio making the most of LaSalle's mistake to put us one up. Irritating that they they were on level terms within 20 minutes, or within the first 20 minutes of the game. Just it really does feel like two points left behind. I know perhaps people will say, "Well, you can't moan." You would have taken four points from those two games. Of course, we would. However, I, I still think we've we've lost, thrown away the most points from winning positions out of anyone mm-hmm. in the Premier League this season. So like twenty six or something. Like that. I, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that just that epitomizes West Ham for me. That game against Newcastle on on Sunday. You've got commentators watching the game just. Inexplicable, like Graham Souness, who I don't particularly rate ever. But at half-time, he's going, I don't, I don't understand how West Ham are, are in this position. They've got a team full of good players there, blah, blah, blah. And I think, if anything, that Newcastle game, going 2-1 up uh, and then conceding one within 60 seconds, that tells mm. you exactly everything you need to know about West Ham's season right there. Did you come away from the game frustrated or, or were you pretty pleased?
1: Uh, a mixture of both, I think. Because at the beginning of the game, you know, I would have taken a point. I think most of us would have taken a point. Um, I mean, you're right. We we weren't expecting to take four from from those two games. So uh, at the end, I was a little bit like, well, you know, in hindsight, that's a that's a good result. That's a good point. Puts us four points away from the bottom three. But having watched the game and and seen the chances that we had, and you know, having given away two two leads. It could be that second one. Um, I hadn't even got back from the fridge getting another beer celebrating that goal before they'd <laughs> scored. So uh, I think by the time I sat down and looked up, it was 2-2. Two, two. But um, I, I'm trying not to, to, to see too much of the negatives in that because it was still a good performance. We had a couple of two lapses in concentration. Um, but essentially, it was four hours that, that kept, I think it was Dwight Gower on side. Uh, and he's not a defender i mean i know every player should should be able to I mean, he's a footballer he's a, he's footballer, a footballer isn't he jesus but, you know he's, he's he's back in a position where he's not, he's not i don't think he's ever been that that deep for for us so uh he probably got a little bit lost but yeah i mean i'm i'm not going to blame for now so it, it is what it is uh we sh- we had plenty of chances to score another one um i think Bowen came closest didn't he with that um that Dubrovka save um, which would have put us 2, two nil up, I think it was, or at least 2-1 up. So, yeah, it is what it is, um, but we've taken four points from those two games and we've given ourselves a massive chance going into these last five. So, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too disheartened.
0: Mm. Now, it's, uh, just to, to clarify, it's 24 points we've dropped from winning positions this season. Uh, well that's the most in the whole Premier League. Second behind us is Bournemouth, who on 20 and third is Aston Villa on 19. you then got Chelsea and Tottenham, 18 and 17, in behind them. And you know what? I, it might as well be called the the teams with the least character table. Because at the opposite end, obviously you've got Liverpool who've not thrown away any points from winning position. Then Wolves in second uh, with just two points they've thrown away. Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Burnley, Man City, they're your top six. And obviously you've got Liverpool and City in there. But the other four teams are teams of character this season aren't they Sheffield United digging in Wolves under Nuno Espirito Santo really digging in and Chelsea and Spurs West Ham Bournemouth filler at, at that other end just no real character no real desire to to hold on I do know what you mean about the you know just accepting four points from those two games and putting it behind you but I think where i had done that with the Chelsea game accepted yep that's a win and that's good news uh, once the, you're in that position, I just remember thinking it all of last season as well. I know it was a completely different looking season, but we did it loads then. You know, I think obviously we finished 10th or whatever it was, um, last year under Pellegrini, but it was the same thing as so many games where we went into the lead and then just threw it away. But like you said, I think with the four nails thing, we weren't undone there by an outstanding Newcastle goal where you go. Yeah, fair play. Well done, lads. Yeah, we were beaten by the better team. You've got a bloke. If if I did that at Sunday League, when you, you're right on the... He's on the wing position anyway. If he was centralised and there was someone behind him he couldn't see, he's standing at left back. He can see yeah. all the way along the line and he's playing him on side by up like 10 yards. Mm. It's just hard, isn't it, not to get annoyed. Once you're in that position, especially in the game, Newcastle were there to be beaten um, and, and, and we couldn't manage to do it. But what are you going to do, eh? Is what it is. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think we would have been happy with three points out of those two games, given the form we've been in. So to take four, I'm not going to dwell on the mistakes of the Newcastle game because I think both performances, as I said, were were encouraging enough to take into the next run of games, uh, particularly Burnley at home coming up this weekend or no, this week, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll be it'll be unfair to to dwell on it and start picking apart the little sloppy mistakes that, that may have cost us because we didn't lose the game uh, and I don't think it's going to cost it at the end of the season. If it does, then, you know, we will come go back to you. And go. We can go, and go. oh, bloody fun hours being offside or playing onside, but I don't think it's going to cost us. Um, I'm confident.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's good to hear from you, James. As always, the uh, things you say in your confidence or blind pessimism don't make me feel any better or worse. I'm just stuck in this uh, <laughs> negative void as always. But stick with us because next we'll run through this week's headlines. We've got the players who are out of contract next summer. Some big names on there. Should we be cashing on them this summer? Sebastian Haller, the absolute fast that's going on with him at the moment. West Ham missing payments to track Frankfurt. Him then missing games. David Moy's comments from his press conference today. And just so everyone knows, exactly when it is we're recording Watford have just gone 2-1 up against Norwich so still huge ramifications on West Ham but stay with us we'll discuss all of that and more next you are still listening to the we are West Ham podcast with me Will Pugh and James Jones no Tom Edwards tonight at a prior engagement which he just couldn't wriggle out of even though he would have been relishing in West Ham getting four points from two games, one against Chelsea, one against Newcastle. We've talked those two to death now. I think overall, both of us pretty happy with four points from those two games. But as we record this podcast, Watford are 2-1 up against Norwich, meaning they pull level on points With West Ham, if it stays that way tonight on 31 points, their goal difference, four goals worse than ours. As it stands, obviously, by the time you listen to this podcast, that game will be done and dusted. And we'll know a little bit more. I'm struggling to get on board with James Jones, who thinks we're safe now. One more win, he says to me. But I'm looking at the table with Watford and Villa still to play. Villa just four points behind us. Watford as well, like I say, level on points. They hold on for the win. Two defeats to those two. Not looking good for us, in my opinion. But I'll, I'll be loads more optimistic if we get a win or two this week, of course. But to move on, as we always do, to the West Ham headlines that we've seen this week. It's been a bit of a crazy old week, and I'll start first, Jonesy. Before we go on to the, too much more of the opinion stuff, Sebastian Laire, We there was a story that emerged. Uh, I covered it a little bit, and. Ultimately, West Ham missed a payment of £5.4 million to Eintracht Frankfurt on May the 15th, uh, which is part of the like the standing order, if you like, part of the terms of the transfer fee, as most transfer fees these days are. It's paid in installments. West Ham owed £5.4 million in the middle of May, and Eintracht Frankfurt, they didn't pay it. Eintracht Frankfurt reported the club to FIFA. Now, I, like I said, I covered it a little bit, and I spoke to... Uh, All parties involved, Eintracht Frankfurt refused to comment because, of course, it was an ongoing commercial dispute and uh, they'd rather just wait and see what happens. West Ham uh, refused to comment as well, but I spoke to someone who was a little bit close to the deal. I spoke to someone at FIFA as well uh, and all the official lines were that FIFA just confirmed that Eintracht Frankfurt reported them. Uh, West Ham declined to comment, as did Eintracht Frankfurt, but uh, someone else spoke to just said that ultimately West Ham, it was a contractual issue. It's nothing to do with uh, coronavirus or any financial impact or cash flow problems, it's nothing to do with that. It's a contractual issue. Couldn't get much detail about the nature of the issue and that, um, you know, it should be sorted the payment made and it's sorted within a matter of time. Now, since then, Sebastian Allo played a game and there's the official line at the club, I believe his hip injury, Sam Incasol, friend of the show from Football London, was at Moyes' press conference earlier on today. Moyes once again saying he's close, but I'm not sure if he'll be able to play for Burnley. The, the line out of a lot of the established media organisations, excuse me, seems to be that he is injured and there's nothing more to it. What do you make of the situation?
1: I'm just sick and tired of us being involved in these sort of stories. Um, if it's not, if it's not us not paying uh, an instalment for a player, it's us coming out and saying we want to buy a player publicly, and you know it's just so. There's never a moment in time where we're not involved in some kind of controversial story or headline, and you know I'm not really. Obviously, we've been told that the the, the club or we're led to believe the club will pay it the five and a half million quid. Um, when they're ready, when David Sullivan raises a few a few quid, no doubt and and, and pays it. But I, I just, I, I've tried not to care that much about it because I think we've got more important things to worry about. Um, I don't, I don't think a story like this would prevent us from playing Haller. Um, I can't imagine there's anything in the contract that that actually says, oh, if you don't pay the next instalment, you can't play another football match. Um, I've been. I'd be even more angry that we even agreed to put a clause like that out in a contract. Um, particularly in the situation we're in. So I do believe he is actually injured. I think we're led to believe that he it is like just an injury. Um, but I I, I can see why people are trying to put two or two together given that, you know, he was on fire in those two friendlies, wasn't he? Scoring goals for fun. And then suddenly as soon as the season starts, I mean a transfer payment is he's, he's nowhere to be seen. So um, I, it'd just be nice that we we distance ourselves from this sort of controversy moving forward because you know if we want to move on move on up and be this you know club that that we keep being told that we should be in this new stadium and moving forward and planning Europe and all that we can't be involved in all this and we need to you know be, be well clear of all of it and um, I just think it's funny that five and a half million quid we've missed it that was what we got fined for for uh, for the whole Tevez affair with the transfer thing there wasn't it um, it's funny how it's always five and a half million quid. Yeah, um, not not
0: not including the uh, the thirty odd million we have to pay Sheffield United in court, but I uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but you know yeah, yeah that, that, that's by the by that, that, that yeah exactly. Million. Well, look, I mean my 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 understanding of the whole situation is that ultimately these sort of things happen quite often more than you think of in football, yeah, where definitely. but they normally get resolved away from the media, certainly away from FIFA between the clubs, and you know they they talk it out a phone call between the club representatives these things get sorted. I understand that for an issue like this to be reported to FIFA is less common. However, of course it, it does happen if it happened in intercontinent, you know, Germany or Italy or Spain, we wouldn't none of us in England would really Hear about it because, you know, obviously we're, we're quite a Premier League centric nation over here. So there's obviously something there. There's obviously a bit of an annoyance on Frankfurt's part, sorry, for them to take it to FIFA. They could have taken it to UEFA as well, but they've gone one step further above that. Sort of been very quiet on that front since the story came out. Whether or not that um, the payment's been made or not, that issue's been sorted, we don't know. The one one rumor I heard far more far less mainstream, in fact, was just that you know Hala's had enough and he's not going to play anymore. He doesn't want to play the rest of the season because he doesn't want to get injured. And at the end of the year, he wants out. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if that turned out to be true. Because interesting conspiracy. Yeah. yeah, but I, th- I think it's it's all gone a bit mad. Are you one that that he is just injured and, and that's it, or have, have you just not going to have an opinion on it until the facts come out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am sort of swaying towards just sort of you know just taking taking it all at face value, and it's purely because I'm just as I said before, I'm tired of us being involved in these headlines. I'm tired of us being attached to it. Um, you're right. You know this it isn't the first time, and it won't be the last time this has happened between two football clubs. Um, but obviously, it makes the headlines when it's West Ham United because we are, you know, we we make headlines always for the wrong reasons. Uh, I can't remember the last time we make headlines for the right reasons. Um, when it when it comes to sort of off field off field things, so yeah, it's, it's frustrating to, to see the headlines. Um, but I do believe he's injured, and if he doesn't want to play for us again, then um, good riddance, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Scu- you're so old
0: school, aren't
1: you? It's just, I mean, I mean if he scored 30 goals this season, I'd be a little bit more like, you know, why, why are we not trying to make him happy? But he's mm. not. He scored seven or eight. <laughs> and um, he's their record signing. So at the end of the day, uh, if he's had enough for whatever reason, maybe he's just homesick. I don't know. Um, <laughs> even if that story is true, and if he I'm sick, sending him back for a couple of weeks and then flying back over, I don't know. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we could do with him. We could Antonio could do, could do with the help because uh, for some reason Albion Ayeti hasn't done enough to uh, impress Moyers quite clearly because he's only
0: had a minute. Antonio's hamstring must be holding on for dear life at the oh, moment,
1: isn't yeah. it? It's literally. You know, we have got like safety pins (laughs) just like keeping them
0: together just his Uh, just legs are just strapped up with gaffer tape every single game now i don't i do know what you mean i think antonio has done fantastic in in his place because and i do think antonio is, is more mobile anyway when we play in that with the as an isolated forward antonio is better because you know unfortunately not Haller or antonio's fault my Sam haven't been able to strike a balance between attack and defence this season that means that sometimes we actually have some players within 20 yards of our striker without conceding a goal almost immediately if we give up possession I don't think you can blame Haller for that or Antonio if anything I think he's done well to score the goals that he has because I think he's had to produce them from almost nothing so mm. uh, I I will be a little bit softer on him I do, I do think though it was a foolish decision in the first place because we've covered it on this show many a time before about Haller. that we had, we had a, a, a Marko Arnautovic before who was that all action man, wasn't he? Just like Antonio is now who was eight out of 10 in the air, eight out of 10 on the floor, eight out of 10 running the channels, eight out of 10 at finishing where well, we've got Haller, who's 10 out of 10 in the air, nine and a half, ten 10 out of 10 at finishing if the ball goes anywhere near him. But, four or five out of 10 at running behind and being mobile and shutting defenders down. And really, again, I don't think you'd blame him for that. He played in a different team before at Eintracht Frankfurt. He wasn't that isolated striker where he's the only man in the opposition's half for the majority of the game. Mm. But I, think, I do think it'd be good to have him back just to give Antonio a rest if nothing else. But I think it'll be, that is an intriguing one and it makes me sick to the back teeth when I hear pundits go, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But this one, I actually will be intrigued to see what happens over the next few days. But to move on, David Moyes in his press conference today, but obviously a little bit more, a little bit more chipper from, uh, again, unbeaten in two games and, and four good points as far as he's concerned. He, he played that, Haller situation down a bit, and just said, you know, I, he might be ready. I'm not sure. He's he's back in training. He's getting closer. Uh, Philippe Anderson won't be out again. Uh, there's a few things. I finally, finally, Philippe Anderson has had a run out of the team, and I think we've played loads better without a minute. Do you like that Lanzini Nels combo?
1: I'm a little bit concerned about Lanzini. Um, I mean, we all know he's not the player he was before that injury. Um, but it, it does. the combo does work but I still feel as though Lanzini can give a lot more than than we've seen from him over the last couple of games um, it, 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 before he was a lot more you felt like every time he got the ball he could make something happen um, and I don't think Fonaunas is that player although I think we all were led to believe that he would be that player um, and I feel like they're Both of them just lack a little bit more creativity for my liking. Uh, If we can get Lanzini back even close to where he was before, just a little bit more confidence on the ball, I feel like every time he gets the ball, he's a little bit sort of, you know, uneasy about being in possession. And that's probably a confidence thing. He's probably not back to uh, the confidence he had before um, that injury. So, although I quite like the, you know, the potential of that that now that pairing, I feel like it could offer a little bit more, particularly from Lanzini's point of view, because he's used to playing in the Premier League, and we all we all know what he's about. Um, but I just think we need to sort of coax that positivity and give him a little bit more of a free reign going forward, a little bit more creativity. Um, otherwise, you know, it's kind of a wasted player, um, and he's, he's definitely not the player he was. No,
0: I, I think everyone can see that now, can't they, with Lanzini? I think it's unfortunate from the knee injury before the World Cup. He, I think if he was half the player or if he was the player that he was before, he wouldn't be playing at West Ham now anyway. I do think it is a shame to see because I've, I've seen some fantastic moments from him in a West Ham shirt. Thomas Suchek, is saying he started to be crucial for us not long after he arrived. He's helped us, but this is what he thought he was capable of. It doesn't happen very often that players fit in straight away. Um, Thomas is is well-liked and he's definitely contributing. I think no one would argue with that, would they? Uh, Mark Noble out of the team, I think everyone can see surely now that that move that's been a long time coming. Mark himself, before you start crying, said, didn't he, at the beginning of the season that he's happy to be a squad player this year. It's not his fault that he's been asked to play 29 or 30 games, whatever it is. And it's certainly not his fault that he's just not Premier League quality anymore. He always tries his best, which, which you can't fault him for. But, and it's not down to him that, that that best isn't good enough. But Suchek coming in, certainly alongside Rice, uh, that that combo's worked extremely well so far. I, I, certainly, I, I Suchek, I, I think a lot of him.
1: Oh, I, I completely agree. I think he showed his potential in those two or three games that he played before. Uh, that lockdown and, and COVID, but since we've been back, he's just been completely different. Different player. Um, he's if we can stay up, then I think what 18 million quid we're getting for 15, 18 million quid. I mean, it's already looking like a bit of a bargain because what he offers us in midfield and the aerial threat that he has, that he gives us at, um, at set pieces. When when he signed, did the research on him you know, over in. Uh, where he was playing before, I think most of his goals came from headers or from set pieces. Um, And I think on his debut, he almost scored from headers. So he's beginning to show that that part of his game. And, you know, just what he offers midfield, he complements Rice really, really well, gets around the pitch, uh, rarely misses a tackle, reads the game really well. Um, And as much as I love Mark Noble, I think we may have found the perfect replacement for him moving forward. Um, and we all knew Mark Noble's time was coming to an end. Um and if we if that means Thomas Suchit comes in for a long term and replaces him, then I think Mark Noble will be happier than, than, than a lot of us give his legs a little bit of a rest. <laughs> and um and uh can see someone actually sort of take the bat and and, and take us forward and, and really offer something in the midfield that Mark Noble sort of was beginning to lose. Um so yeah, no, he's been a he's been a superb signing. Super signing.
0: To- Beginning to lose, aka lost. But no, lost. I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've yeah. Still got that heart though, Will. Still exactly. Exactly. I think it's been brilliant as well, giving Declan the armband. Lots of fans have been calling for that. It was a bit. Trepiditious at first. Trepiditious? you let me have trepidacious. is that a word? Or full of I'll trepidation? I'm in a good mood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah. cheers, yeah. So we'll have, I was a little bit trepiditious at first when <laughs> Declan Rice, uh, when fans were calling for him to be handed the armband, given his age, but I think he's he's shown, I think it's been brilliant, he's uh, doing a grealish, he's leading by example, still only a young lad off the pitch of course, well, hand on it, but I think he's the same age on and off the pitch, isn't he? Yeah, I
2: think that's how it works, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And uh, But yeah, certainly leading by example on the pitch, he's, he's West Ham's best player. You mentioned Mark Noble then, and listen to this, this seamless link into the next topic, Jonesy. Uh, There's players, six players, six big players, certainly out of contract next summer. So I want to hear from you. We'd have to make this quite quick quick because We've got Joe from the Turfcast podcast coming on next to Chat Burnley. But the these players out of order. So Mikhail Antonio um is one of the players out of contract next summer. So it's the end of next season. This is Mikhail Antonio, Fabian Balbuena, Mark Noble, Lucas Fabianski, Jack Wilshire, and Robert Snodgrass, all out of contract at the end of twenty-one. David Moyes talking about Mikhail Antonio today in his press conference, saying he's got an awful lot to offer. He's played everywhere as a centre forward and he can fill all roles, partly because of his pace and power. However, it often leads to injuries and he has had them. But this is probably the best spell of games in terms of 90 minutes he's played continuously. So we'll start with Mikel Antonio. I want to hear from you on these players. um, We'll we'll do it a bit quick fire, whether we try and get some money for them this summer, let their contracts run down or we renew and and hold them on beyond that. So Mikel Antonio, first of all, you've heard what David Moyes has got to say. What what, what are your thoughts on him?
1: We've got an option to, to take another year out of him, haven't we?
0: I yeah, think, that's it. We can trigger uh, we, that at the end of next trigger season. That. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I think we'd be mad not to. I don't think, I mean, he's 30 now. I don't think we'll get a great deal for him. Um, and I think, you know, what he offers, we've already seen in the last two games what he offers. So, um, you know, even if he becomes just a, an impact player off the bench moving forward, then, you know, he's, he's a valuable player. And the experience that he has in the dressing room and, you know, knows the club well, I think, I think yeah, take, take so, the, take the, take the extensions, take the extra year and then see what happens.
0: So he's, yeah, because he said he turned 30 in March and he did say uh, in a recent interview, he said he wants to finish his career at West Ham. He is one of those players that, because he relies on his pace and power so much that you you think his career would be slightly shorter lived um, than some. So you're, you're, you're just taking the extension at first and then see how we roll from there, yeah? Yeah. Okay, next one. Fabian Balbuena paid just about 4 million quid for him. I know you're smiling now, but I think, yeah, we've already the, the first season he had with us. He paid his money already, so anything we get from him now is a bonus, in my opinion. What you're saying about uh, Big Fab?
1: I think this this is the one player we'll end up getting a bit of profit from because um, <laughs> we always over, either break even or make a loss, don't we? So it's um, twenty
0: eight. Twenty eight is winner.
1: I think. I mean, given given that it looks like the long term, or at least the the mid term the short to mid-term uh, partnership is of Bonner and Diop. Um, and I, I can I can imagine that we'll, we'll be in the market for another centre-half, uh, given that Deccan Rice can slot, slot in. And I'm, I'm doing this in the hope that we keep Deccan Rice. Um, I think Bail Bueno is surplus to requirements a little bit. I, th- I don't think he's been at his best this year. And if we can get 8 million quid for him, or 10 million quid for him, which I think in, you know, in today's market isn't that unreasonable, um, then it's profit... And, you know, yeah, I think out of all the players that are coming to him the contract, he's one that we should look to sell on.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, I differ slightly on that. I think you're talking ten million quid. I don't think you're gonna get that much of a better centre half for that sort of my like a replacement centre half. If you're saying that Diop and Ogbonna are gonna be our, our main pairing going forward, you know what, I'd i probably if we can pay him the same sort of average ish wages that he's on now. I don't think he's the worst thing to come in. But I think if, you, if you're talking maybe 15 million quid, then yeah, happy days. Take the money. So next one, Mark Noble. I think with that, I, I know what you're going to say. And I think, to be honest, I don't think it's too much of a long conversation. He will get another contract only. It might be on drastically reduced wages, but he'll he'll be all right for a squad player for another year, surely.
1: I, th- I think we all know where Mark Noble's future lies. And that is, he'll... he'll he'll have one or two more seasons as a as a bit part player, ending up in the coaching staff, whether that's with the youth team or with the first team or whatever. Um that's probably what he wants to do. He'd probably want a little bit of time out in between retiring and coaching. Um, but he won't want to leave the football club. And um and I don't think he will. Um so yeah, uh, he'll get another year, maybe eighteen months, and then we'll see what happens after that. But he won't he won't be
0: released. Definitely, not, no, he's not going to play for another football club. He's going, to, he's going to finish his career at West Ham, that is for sure. Right. Quickly, then, James, we'll do these really quick ones. Fabianski, contract. Contract, getting on a bit. Getting yeah, on a bit,
1: but, but but give him a contract. Give him another year. Yeah, all right.
0: yeah, we're not going to get amazing amounts of money for him, are we? Jack Wilshire, if you run. say anything other than get rid, I'm literally let closing it, this let laptop. Let it run. Let it let run. And not that anyone's going to pay any money for him, but I'd get him off the books this summer if we
1: could. Well, well yeah, if we can, but I don't think we're going to be able to because he's on big contracts, isn't he? So let him True. Run.
0: And final one, Robert Snodgrass.
1: Love the amount of pieces, but it, I don't know. I mean, he runs a lot and you know, he's got a lot of heart and a lot of commitment, but if we can get a few quid for him, then I wouldn't be against
0: selling him, but I'd love to see him stay. Okay, interesting stuff, but uh, stick with us because next we've got Joe from the Turfcast podcast coming up to chat the huge game coming up against Burnley. So hold on because that's coming up next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones. We've covered loads already on the show tonight. The great results at Chelsea, against Chelsea and Newcastle. The headlines, what players will have got out of contract next summer, which we'll be cashing in or extending their deal. Sebastian Haller, the FIFA or the mispayment to Iron Track Frankfurt, their complaint to FIFA and then his miraculous hip injury that's kept him out of a couple of games since that. David Moore's press conferences, comments from today but i'm delighted to say that we've got joe from the turf cast podcast joining us to chat all things burnley and our game against the clarets coming up joe thanks for joining us and first of all one one of the things i want to dive into straight away before we get onto the game loads of rumors about sean dyche and the him perhaps not being happy at turf Moor, and then basically off of the back of that everyone at West Ham clamouring and going please can we have him because he's loads better than David Moyes what can you tell us about that first
2: well first of all I'm surprised um, that you actually do want him because I know a lot of clubs that are bigger than Burnley I think it's fair to say West Ham are bigger than Burnley obviously but uh, there's a lot of clubs that are bigger than Burnley um, that seem to turn the nose up at Sean Dice for whatever reason now I'm not here to sell Sean Dyche to people in the slightest, but I think it's absolutely crazy that um, teams like Everton, or Everton they did, they did end up getting Ancelotti, so you can understand sort of like that in the end worked out for them, but teams like Everton will turn the nose up at Sean Dyche, even Bournemouth fans and things like that, and Norwich fans uh, and fans down at the bottom, Villa fans, are like, oh, we don't want Sean Dyche, he's too direct, his he's football's rubbish, I mean... It's not rubbish. It's just an easy way of of describing football that isn't Liverpool or Man City. Um, it's not rubbish football. There are different styles of football. People surely understand that. But um, in terms of the rumours of him leaving, I was worried about three weeks ago. Um, I'm not worried anymore. Um, I can't see him leaving to to go into unemployment. I know it's not real unemployment, but you know what I mean. I can't see him leaving to to not be the manager of a club. I think if he leaves, it will be going to another job. I don't think he'll be he'll be leaving to 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 to, to just just watch football on TV. So, if if Hodgson leaves Palace, I might be worried. If Villa stay up and they the sack Dean Smith, and then I might be worried. And if you boys let uh, Moisey go, uh, then again I might be worried. But for now, I'm uh, I'm calm about the situation to be honest.
1: Joe, do you think that? I mean, I completely agree that, that there are a lot of clubs out there that will turn their nose up at Burnley. You know, I think that there's a lot to be said about sort of making the the attractive. Uh, sort of popular managerial appointment rather than sort of mm. playing it a little bit safe and something a little bit more tried and tested. Um, but, I mean, I'm looking at the league table now, only 10th, uh, five games left, well in with a shout of finishing top eight. And top eight could be enough for yeah. the League, depending on what happens with City. Um, if, you, if you get into Europe, then Daesh isn't going to be attracted by the likes of Villa or, or Palace or anyone like that. So the question to you is, you know, if... Even if you don't make Europe, surely Dyche is the man to take you forward. You can build on 10th now, can't you?
2: Of course. Uh, anyone that would say anything, uh, the, 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 the Every now and then we're going, we're going a bit of a rough patch. There are a few Burnley fans, and in my opinion, these are the, the morons, the idiots, that all, all sort of like say, oh, Dash out, Dash out. There is nobody better for Burnley Football Club. Nobody. Um, the only people that I could think could come in are... are that are realistic, obviously, are people that are doing well in the Championship, like maybe Alex Neil at Preston and people like that. But it's still going to take a couple of years to get him in and get him sorted and things like that. There's no one no one as good for, for Burnley as Sean Dyson. Yeah, he's definitely the man to take us forward. The only worry that, that Burnley fans have is as he outlived us rather than us outlived him. Mm-hmm. I think if, if anything's going to happen, he's going to be like, right, I need to now prove myself at... A West Ham at an Everton at a, a Villa if they stay up um, to 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 go on and actually actually get uh, some silverware or or some more European finishes and cement himself as uh, as the best English manager out there because I think for me there's obviously I know I'm biased but what's the competition Eddie Howe he's been found out Um Gareth Southgate obviously he's done well with England so there's probably a bit of an argument there Um Molder, some names escape me Chris
0: Wolder done really well see, yeah, this Wolder's season really
2: but one well season well in it that's it yeah. Uh, Wilder's a good shout and I mean Sean Dash are actually really good mates as well um, I think they play together at some point or, but they're both like proper Brexit sort of style managers aren't they <laughs> name, 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 <laughs> yeah. that's the nickname that everyone gives us and stuff so we might as well roll with it but they're both a similar sort of style of manager but yeah if Wilder can sort of like maintain uh, Premier League football for the next four years at Sheffield United and keep knocking on the door at European places and, and stuff then yeah he's, he's he's definitely in there with a shout but I think Dash is definitely up there um, of course he is but he it, it, it needs to go to um, another club potentially, um, maybe he's thinking that. Hopefully not to, to sort of like prove it and get some silverware. But I, I don't see why, why why we can't do it. I know a lot of Burnley fans are always like the, the thing that's nice about Burnley fans is every time we talk to them, a lot of them are like, "Oh, I'll just be happy to be in the Premier League." or oh, went this time thirty years ago, or we in Division Four. That's thirty years ago, mate. Move on. You know, we're a, we're a bigger club than we were back then. Now we, we've grown back, not to the size we were in the sixties, obviously, but we've continued to grow. We've built training grounds. We've now got a cat group on. Um, youth system and things like that uh, academy sorry so you know we, we just need to keep improving so I don't see why we can't win something next season if we keep building why can't we win the League Cup you know I know, I know, I know people always say like, the big clubs aren't interested in, in the League Cup but a big club does tend are, to win right? it every single year yeah a big club does mm. tend to win it every single year now but we can get we can get to Wembley. Of course we can get to Wembley. Then you get to Wembley, I know it's I know it's going back a long way, but look what Wigan did to Man City. It's 90 minutes. Um, and yeah. all, 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 all one season, you just have to get lucky. Like, look, when Swansea City won it, for, for example, they beat League 2 Bradford City in the final. You know what I mean? You just have to get lucky in some situations. So why can't that happen to us?
0: I, I agree. And uh, it's funny, the, the Sean Dyche situation at Burnley, it reminds me very much, I'm harking back a bit, of course, but very much like the Alan Kerbishley-Charlton relationship where the manager suits the club and the club suit the manager. And you yeah. just feel, I, I think if, if Dice left Burnley, I think Burnley would be in worse shape than yeah. Dice would be if the two parties split. But I, I do know what you mean about at some stage, as an individual, you'd think he might get to that stage where he's like, oh, do I want to push on? But he seems to know that there's a good match there. Just so uh, I know obviously this doesn't go out live, but we've mentioned it earlier on the show. It's full time now. At Vicarage Road, Watford have beaten Norwich 2-1. Thanks for a quite outstanding. Danny Welbeck, overhead kick. I'm reliably informed by Jones, which puts Watford level on points, 31 points with West Ham. Four goals worse on their goal difference. They're on minus 22. We're on minus 18 in 16th, then in 17th. Then you've got Villa in 18th with 27 points along with Bournemouth. So, big result for Watford tonight. Not particularly. Probably not the best one for West Ham, it all but confirms Norwich's demise, but I don't think anyone's given them some hope for a while. Joe, just to go back to the the game, obviously between our two clubs, Jonesy mentioned it there, Burnley sitting in 10th, what West Ham would... Would give to be sitting in 10th position at this stage of the season, just a couple of points off 8th off and 7th as you are. Just going to on the game, there's been some rumblings about some injuries in the Burnley squad this week. David Moyes saying that uh, he hopes that Sean Dyche isn't as worried about the game because they're finally safe. What can you tell us about the injuries?
2: The injuries are literally ridiculous, mate. You've got Ben Mee out for the season. You've got Jack Cork out for the season. You've got um, Ashley Barnes out for the season. Matthew Lawton out for the season. Uh, obviously, I, I, as I'm sure you're aware, they're, them four are, are massive players for us. We've been without Barnes for a while, so we have kind of got used to being without Barnes. But Jack Cork, Ben Mee and uh, Matthew Lawton have all suffered injuries since coming back. So we've had to have a big, massive reshuffle. Uh, we've got Eric Peters, who's a championship fullback at best, playing in left midfield. Um, We've had to play one up front uh, at some point this since the restart as well because uh, we had too many injuries with there. Chris Wood is coming back, I think he got twenty minutes last time out against um, Sheffield United, but I don't know whether he'll start and might, might be too soon for him. Uh, and there's and there's Robbie Brady and I don't know if I already mentioned these. So Robbie Brady, and who, are, who seem to be injured all the time as well. So the injury list is is pretty ridiculous at the minute, and obviously it goes back to the argument that I'm um, I, I think that you will agree with it, that this. This five substitution rule that only seems to suit the, not necessarily bigger clubs, but it is. It always does seem to be the bigger clubs, but the the big the clubs with the bigger squads, and obviously the bigger clubs always have the bigger squads because they have no, not have more money. But um, for the first time since the lockdown, uh, sorry, since the restart, we actually named a full substitute bench against Sheffield United. Um, I think against Man City, we named like two goalkeepers on it, and can only name like six substitutes out of nine. The rest of them were kids, and I think there one senior player on the bench. So it's it's slowly getting better and getting worse at the same time in a weird way because Chris Wood's coming back, and so is Johan Berg Gudmundsson, but now Jack Cork and Ben Meer out. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of injuries to be honest at Burnley, and it's as Dash says, we would probably been in a very good position for the European charge if we had his full squad uh, available but I think as it is at the minute with all the injuries just just sort of like see the season out to be honest you're not going to go down so um, just see the season out maybe experiment whatever and uh, and whatever Uh, but uh, yeah plenty of injuries definitely
0: well, six o'clock kick-off tomorrow at the London Stadium, so that's Wednesday evening. What are you, just a quick one before we let you go, we have to get a quick score prediction off of uh, every guest we have on, so what are you saying? Despite all the injuries, remember the team you're playing against, you still confident?
2: Um, not for a win, no. I think if, if we had the injuries and and we'd be looking at European football as a as a, a possibility and as a target, something we could definitely achieve, then I'd be confident of going there and uh, and getting a win because we'd have something to achieve. Um, but I think at the minute that the the sort of like. Um, target isn't going to be that the target's just going to be sort of like just see the season out try not to get any more ridiculous injuries so I'm going to go 1-1 because we are quite solid at the back you you boys tend to concede but you do tend to score as well so hopefully we can be a little bit I mean if Ben and me were playing we might be in in, in we're shout for a clean sheet as well um, but I think obviously we've got Kevin Long at the back and again is, um in my opinion not, not Premier League quality so I think I think I think you'll score but I'm hoping that we score as well especially if Chris, uh, Chris Wood starts
0: well Joe's That's saying one. <laughs>
2: exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> Joe's saying uh, Joe saying one 0 I'll get Jonesy's prediction for the Burnley game Wednesday night, six o'clock kickoff at the London Stadium in a minute. For West Ham, the game against Norwich City away on Saturday, twelve thirty kickoff. Hugely important. Once again, I think all West Ham fans would say we'd certainly accept four points from the two games we've got coming up. Joe, thanks very much for joining us and for everyone else listening at home, stick with us because we'll be looking into the Norwich game a little bit more next you are still listening to the we are west ham podcast and you have still got will pew and you still got james jones you've no longer got joe from the turf cast podcast who just joined us now to chat west ham's game with burnley at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night at the London Stadium. It is a big game. Saturday's game against Norwich, which will be played before we do the next pod, probably bigger for the club. As we speak, Watford have just beaten Norwich 2-1 at Vicarage Road to pull them level on points with the Hammers, but they're worse off on goal difference by four goals. Jonesy, Joe there from the Burnley podcast saying one all. I think as all opposition fans do come on, they come on and be a little bit cagey when they're on our podcast would you would you take a one all tomorrow against Burnley?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think a, a result like that, then, although I have been very very confident that we that we're going to stay up after the last two results, um, uh, dropping points still then does mean that we need results to still go our way. Um, if we can gain a point and you know, Villa and Bournemouth both lose, then for me that's a point. That's a point we learned. Um, so yeah, I think. Um, I, 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 difficult to say. I mean, I, I'm confident that we can we can beat Burnley. Um, and like Joe said, just after we we finished recording that bit, you know, I think having no fans in the ground probably benefits us um, this time around. Given that you know West Ham fans and playing at home against Burnley doesn't sort of doesn't have the greatest of history, as we all know. So I don't know. I think I think a point would be good uh, without knowing other results. But I think we will end up relying on other results.
0: Okay, well, quickly before we move on to the Norwich game. Unfortunately, this is the last segment and uh, without Tom, we won't be able to do the Rogue Mystery Players quiz this week. I did have three players ready. The clues were probably better than ever, but you'll have to stick with us and make sure you download next week's pod when Tom's back and uh, Tom and James go head-to-head. James had a bit of a stinker, so uh, with lockdown, it might be good like the Premier League players all had a little bit of a rest, it might be good for, for Jonesy to have a bit of a recharge. So, just quickly then, uh, Jonesy, what's your prediction for the Burnley game?
1: Uh, I think we'll win 2-1. Um, with or without Halla, I think we've proven that we don't, we, you know, it hasn't been as important as we, we, we may, have, may have thought. Um, I think we'll score. I think we've got into our stride a little bit. we found the net um, five times over the last two games. And, you know, I think we've got goals in us now. So, yeah, 2-1.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping that gives us a little bit more confidence, but I'm going to err on the side of caution and go with what Joe said and say 1-0. I think just looking at Villa's games, they've got some absolutely minging games left before the end of the season. they got Man United at home, Crystal Palace at home, Everton away, Arsenal at home, and then us away on the last game of the season. I think if we take a point and then even a point at Norwich, that means they have to win two games, including the one against us, assuming we lose all the others. So... I think I'm going to stick with Joe and say one all on that. Looking ahead to the Norwich game, that defeat for them tonight all but confirms their fate at the bottom of the Premier League. They are on 21 points. Norwich played 34 games, so we've just four games left to play for them, it's it's not looking good. The, the maximum points they can get now out of that is 33. So technically not dead yet. But if they lose to us at the weekend, then I believe that we'll put the, the final now in the coffin. What are you saying about the Norwich game? More important game? Are you scared because it, it's a do or die situation for them from my point of view? I think that argument's a hard one. To put forward, I watched their uh, their recent game. I can't uh, remember. I, I didn't catch the Watford game tonight, but their their game before. I can't remember who it was against, but it was another do or die situation for Norwich City, and they just don't they just don't show enough. I don't I don't think. Do you do you think we should roll them over on the on the weekend?
1: Uh, I mean, it's put. rest down, don't roll teams over, so we're not going to roll anyone over at the weekend. But um, I think I think we have to be careful. I don't think we can just go, oh, you know, they've looked poor the last few games and for the whole of the season, barring that win against City at the beginning at Kara Road. Um, I, th- I don't think we can't, we can't fall into that trap. You know, we're, we're shaky at the back as it is. We can't give a team like Norwich any hope. Um, and I think, you know, we have to be wary that while they're still in the fight, even if it's, you know, very, very slim chance, they're going to still want to try and try and win football matches. Um, and the moment they're relegated, that's when they'll probably start picking up results. You know, it always happens where they've playing without any pressure. Um, so it's probably a good thing that they won't be relegated by the time we play them, um, because then you know that that pressure might still be weighing on weighing on them a little bit. But um, I think we will go there and win. Uh, but I think at any point away from home, I'd take even if it is against the team all but down. I'd take a point there.
0: Yeah absolutely I mean Norwich have got uh, us at home on Saturday lunchtime Chelsea away Burnley at home and then Man City away on the last game of the season so they let's be real they are they are down of course um it was Brighton the game a load of waffling from me just then that I couldn't remember they they played Brighton at home didn't they on Saturday lost yeah. 1-0 and you know Brighton were okay and but Brighton were there to be had they were there to be beaten and it was still pretty much sort of half on the line for Norwich. If they'd got a win there, it might have given them a bit of hope, but they look even worse than they were before lockdown. Everyone giving it about Norwich being, oh, they'll be the best team to go down. I don't think they're, they're no. very good. <laughs> they, they looked all right, didn't they, earlier in the season? A couple but, of good um, players, but I think that's cer- it. Certainly not the case anymore. All right, so before we wrap this one up, then, what's your score prediction for Norwich?
1: Um, well, I said I'd take a draw. Um, I think. I think we're good enough to go there and take take all three, um, but it'll be close. So I'm gonna we're not going to keep a clean sheet. So I'll say two one again.
0: Two one again. So James Jones having six points from a possible six in our next two games. That would put West Ham uh, four games unbeaten. David Moyes, of course, has never won back to back games as West Ham United manager. But Jonesy marking it down just when it matters at the end of this season. I think. I can just see it and I, it sounds like the sort of drivel, negative drivel that I come out with quite a lot, but it would scream West Ham, wouldn't it? Rocking up and we're, I can just hear us now next Tuesday going, oh, for God's sake, we rocked up there thinking it's only Norwich, their bottom, we've already won this, don't worry about it, and coming away losing to 1-0 to a VAR goal or something like that. But I'm going to err on the side of caution again and I'm going to I'm gonna go one all again, I think. Two four games unbeaten, nice and steady, and uh, I think that'll just enough just to eke us out ahead of Aston Villa. And I still think that Watford game is going to be absolutely huge. But are you uh, you feeling good, James? You, you, you're saying well, we'll have to ask a question every week, and it could be different depending on what happens to the next two games. Are we staying up?
1: Yeah, I think we stand out. I think I think given the out out of ten now confident nine. No. Uh, I think I think all the all the other clubs around us, their runnings compared to ours, and we've still got to play them. Uh our only top six team we've got to play is Man United. Um and I think even by the time we play them we'll be mathematically safe. I
0: think one one win, maybe four points and it's done. We do love a late-season win against Man United when it really matters. As we all know, Well, West Ham United, at the end of this podcast, sitting 16th place in the Premier League, 31 points. Watford's win this evening means they are on the same points as us. We're four points away from Aston Villa in 18th, with Burnley to play on Wednesday evening and Norwich away on Saturday lunchtime. It still is all to play for. Jonesy says nine out of ten that we stay up. I'm still sitting on the fence at around five they still able to play for two games unbeaten. Let's hope West Ham can make it four. Stick with us, up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hello there, I'm Tony Gale and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast.
2: Podcast Network.